principles that will help you move from stress to peace. Most Americans, including Christians, are living above their means and are suffering from real financial stress. Uh, When you study why marriages break apart, one of the three primary reasons is financial stress. Because when the husband and wife is dealing with financial stress, it causes stress on their relationship, which can uh, magnify and cause some real serious division. Most couples admit that many of their worst arguments, their greatest conflicts, are generated around the subject of money. The Wall Street Journal says that 70% of Americans are living from paycheck to paycheck. Miss one paycheck, they're in deep trouble. That the average household is about 136% of their income. So their debt is like 136% of what their income is. Average Americans have over 38000 in consumer debt. That's not your house or your necessary transportation. It's just consumer debt, extra things that we tack on. 38000 is just the average. 700,000 Americans have high interest rate credit cards. Some credit cards are as much as 59%. Most are 18, 19, 21. Enormous rates of interest. Average Americans are spending about $1.22 for every $1 they earn. Average Americans are spending about $1.22 for every $1 they earn. So instead of accumulating wealth and increasing our assets, inevitably we are going further and further in debt. Along the way, there are raises and bonuses and increases. And we're making more money, but it just pushes our debt load up. And so the stress continues, even though many are making the most money they've ever made in their life. The problem is often management, not income. We as Americans are blessed, and we live on more money than the world has ever lived on. The problem seems to be we don't know how to manage our money. And that's really what's causing the stress. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they make, whatever they get. And so the wise, they have wealth because they know how to manage their money. But fools, they make money, but they spend it, and so they never accumulate any wealth. Wealth is not what you earn. Wealth is what you're able to accumulate. What if you were living financially free? What difference would it make in your internal peace and personal health? How would it affect your marriage or your children or the overall spirit of your home? What if you were on a plan to get debt free? And every month, instead of feeling like you're just barely keeping your nose above water, you were gaining ground and could see the end in sight. And knew that if I stay on this plan, I'm going to be debt-free one day. And I'm going to be accumulating wealth, not just accumulating debt. What if you were completely paid up on the Lord's tithe? And you had money to give to any need or cause that you wanted and could enjoy giving rather than feel pain. You know, 
money may not make you happy, but a lack of it will certainly make you miserable. No, money's not enough to make you happy, but a lack of it will definitely make you miserable. And so most often, the problem is not income, the problem is management. Can you say amen? amen? Here's three powerful truths that I hope that you will embrace in faith. First of all, wealth is not evil. Wealth is not evil. God is rich, and he wants to share his riches with us. If wealth was evil, then God would be evil because he owns it all, right? Notice what he said in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So a part of the whole plan of God is to be, that for the Christ child to become poor so that you and I could become rich. Now you already know that when he references poor and rich, he's not just talking about our, our uh, monetary assets, but he's talking about every area of our life. He wants us to be rich, rich in true riches and things that really count. And he also wants us to have plenty for the things that we need. This is God's plan. You see, there's nothing spiritual about being broke. Being broke doesn't make you more holy, more Christ-like. It doesn't make you more usable to God. There's no glory in being broke. You know, we're tempted to love money. The Bible teaches us not to love or to crave money. It's a very serious sin. It's mentioned multiple times in the Bible. And we understand that you're not to love money. But you know, not having money can create as much of a craving for it as having money. We think that sometimes loving money is just for those that have plenty of it. That's not really the truth. Now, you know, when we're fasting and when I'm doing without food, that's when I crave it the most. When I quit eating, I can, that's all I can think about is food. Day and night I'm thinking about when am I going to get to eat? When am I going to get to eat? It's the same way with money. When you don't have money, that's about all you can think of because you're craving it because you don't have any. But when you're blessed and you're living financially free and you're managing the income that you're on, then you're not always craving money. You don't have a tendency to love money because you feel like your needs are being met. So we don't want to love money, but at the same time, we want enough that we don't have to crave money either. You see, the lack of money can enslave us just like an abundance of money. Sometimes we think those that are enslaved by money are just the rich. That's really not true. Uh, we can be enslaved by money even when we have a lack. So no one escapes. The second great truth I want you to embrace is that God has given us the ability to produce wealth. First of all, the ability within each and every one of us as his children, he has given us something that can be put into work and produce income. He gives us the ability to produce wealth. In other words, each of us have something to take to the workplace. Each of us have something to give. 
There is something I can do that will produce income for my family and, and cause us to live in a healthy, fashionable way. And so remember, it's he that gives us the ability to wealth. Not only to give us the ability, but he gives us the opportunity. You know, it's, it's possible that you can just be, have loads of ability, but you have to have an opportunity to put that ability to work. So my heavenly father says, I'm the God of opportunity. I'll give you the ability. Then I'll open doors and put you in the right place and connect you with the right people. So you'll have an opportunity. And so today, if you're here and you're looking for an opportunity, I want to encourage your faith. Your father said he would give you the opportunity to put to work the skills and the abilities that you have. Opportunity. He also blesses us so that we can produce wealth. Now, ability is something that he's given us and that we nurture and develop and train and hone. And... But blessing is grace. Ability is what I can do. Grace is what God does. And he can cause our abilities to produce far more than they would normally make because the blessings of God are upon our life. He can take what we bring to the table and work with it and bless it and cause it to go a lot further and get a lot more done. That's the blessings of God upon our lives that gives us the ability to produce wealth. So I want to encourage you to believe God for an increase in your income. An increase in the stream of income that you're, li you're, you're living on. And I want to encourage you to believe God for multiple streams of income. You know, um, it starts with having a good career, a good track you're on where you see you're going to make a good living and you have the opportunity for that to increase and to do better in the course of your life. But it's wonderful to, to posture yourself so that you have multiple streams of income. Even if some of those are not large but small, but if you can generate multiple streams of income, it gives you options. It gives you the ability to do things you couldn't do. And um, so I want to encourage you to pray that God would increase your stream of income, but in addition to that, that God would give you um, multiple streams of income. And you know, with our computerized world today, with Wi-Fi everywhere, it's amazing how much money can be made at home and what can be done online. We just have options today that previously we did not have. The third powerful truth I want to mention to you this morning is wealth requires good management. You know, every one of us knows someone here, knows someone in our, that we've known, we've known someone in our lives that got a lot of money suddenly, only to lose it nearly as fast as they received it. The problem was they got money, but they didn't have the skills to protect it, and therefore they lost it almost as soon as they got it. And we all know other kind of people that make really good money. They really do make good money. But they're always broke, and they're always under stress, and they're always in debt. The, the problem was not the income. The problem was the management. I don't want to be either one of those people, do you? No, not at all. So wealth requires good management. Money management is a separate skill from earning money. You see, there, are the, there is the earning skill, and then there is the management skill. And I see people all the time who, 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 do, who don't seem to have a great degree of earning ability, but they're great at managing it. 
And they end up with more money as great managers than other people that make a lot of money but can't manage it. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of the best money managers in the world are single moms. Single moms. I've watched for years as single moms were faithful to God in their tithe and their offerings when other couples were making lots of money and weren't being faithful to God at all. I've watched single moms take a little bit and take care of their children and pay their bills and be faithful and, and work hard and, and take money and, and spend it wisely and end up with houses and, and nice cars and not be in debt, although, although their income is limited. You see, better to have management skills than huge income earning skills without management. Management is what at the end of your life is going to result in either wealth or otherwise. The Bible is the world's greatest manual on how to manage money. Wisdom is required to manage money. You're not born with it. Uh, you have to acquire it. You have to learn these things. Look at Ecclesians 7, 11, and 12. Ecclesiastes. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. So our desire is to have money and wisdom and put them together and see what God can do for us and maybe what we can do for God. You see, the wisdom of the world is limited and sometimes completely false. And if you look around and see what other people are doing and follow suit, you're probably going to end up in the same mess Americans are in, which is stressed out and in debt. So you have to be careful about what the world calls wisdom because it's not working. Wisdom of God is hidden and it must be sought after. God has wisdom, but he hides it. He doesn't just throw it out there in the middle of the street for anybody that comes by. His, his wisdom is hidden, and you have to search for wisdom, and you have to pursue him and ask God for wisdom and to give you the knowledge to know how to, how to manage. Wisdom comes by learning and listening. Everybody say learning and listening. Learning. Learning and listening. Learning and listening. Learning. That means study and read. There's plenty of great information, lots of how-tos and lots of tools out there for us to use. Learn. Do something about it. And at the same time, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when we go to make a purchase or an investment or some kind of a financial-related decision, we're listening for the Holy Spirit. My dad taught me this. This was his language. He would go make a deal to buy something or sell something, and he would say, well, I'm going to sleep on it. And so he, that meant he wasn't going to make the decision on the same day. He was going to sleep on it. He was going to pray about it. And he was, when he woke up the next morning, he would have a knowing in his heart of whether it was the right thing to do or not. So dad just always say, son, you need to sleep on that. And that was his way of saying is just listen for the Spirit and give it some time and let the Spirit confirm that what you're doing is right or not right. So I believe the key to, to being a good manager is learning, developing the, the knowledge that you need, but also listening to the Holy Spirit who, will, who knows the future. You know, their, their wisdom doesn't know the future. 
But when you mix listening to learning, then wisdom is added to the voice of the Holy Spirit that knows the future. And sometimes the Spirit will, will tell you to do something that otherwise would be unwise. But because the Holy Spirit knows the future, he said, do it. Sometimes you, wisdom should say, go ahead. That's a great opportunity. That works. That's the right thing. But the Holy Spirit says, no, no, don't do that. Something's going to happen. It's going to change the picture. So the key is listening and learning. Are you all with me here today? <clears throat> so it requires wisdom. Getting in control of your finances takes a lot of effort, a lot of effort. And the deeper you're in debt and the more you're struggling in this area of your life, the more effort it's going to take. Randon shared with me a, a story he had found about an old man rocking on the front porch. He had a dog beside him and the dog was just howling and whining and howling and whining. And a friend said, why is that dog howling and whining all the time? He said, well, I'm rocking on its tail. And the man said, well, why doesn't the dog just move his tail out of the way? He said, oh, that would take a lot of effort. And he likes to howl and whine. <laughs> and you know, people are like that dog with his tail under the rocking chair. We get in a, in a mode and we just howl and whine and never put out the effort to make the changes that are needed. We get accustomed to just accepting our situation rather than in, in engaging the effort that it takes to change our situation. We just get accustomed to howling and whining and never really put out the effort to say, it may take us a while, but we're going to change this situation. Some people just don't want to put out the effort. We title this segment, Act Your Wage. Act Your Wage. In other words, live within your means. Look at what you have today and say, you know what? How can we live a good, happy, wholesome, healthy life, be faithful to God and take care of our family and not go crazy with debt stress? Let's act our wage and let's learn how to live on what we have today. We have to learn how to live within our means. To do this, there are four values that produce wealth, four values that you need to embrace, four values. These, this is very generic, but it's, it's important. Embrace the value of counsel and study. Embrace the value of taking counsel, letting someone that knows more share what they know with you. The value of studying. You know, in each and every life team session, we have one coming up in February, we always have classes that you can participate in that will strengthen your management skills. And uh, I know already that many of you are underneath a heavy load, but you've never, ever participated in one of those life teams. You have to embrace, embrace the value of studying and learning and letting others counsel you out of the situation you're in. Well, you may figure it out on your own, but how long is it going to take? Proverbs 12 and 15, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. I don't know it all, 
But I know someone that knows about everything. Not the same person, but I know someone that knows about everything. And when I need help, when I need counsel, when I need information, when I'm trying to make a decision or I've got a problem, there's always somebody in my life that knows a lot about that. And much of networking and building your relationships to help you get through life is making sure you have people in your life that can help you in specific areas. They have areas of expertise that you can draw from. That's what makes us linked and joined together. I don't have all the answers, but I hope to be a person in your life that at some time I can be an answer in certain areas of your life. I can't answer all the mysteries. I don't know it all, and you don't know it all, but you have something to bring to the table. And when we all bring what we have together, then we share it. So embrace the concept of counsel and study and networking with other people that know, have a specialty and that know something about the subjects you need. The second value is embrace the value of planning and budgeting. Proverbs 21 and 5, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Let me say that again. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Hard work, planning. Everybody say hard work, planning. Hard work, planning. So you got to embrace the idea that I need a financial plan. I, I need a budget. You know, every, every person here that has graduated from high school needs to have a financial planner in their lives. You say, well, I'm just 18 and I've just got a college job. You still need a financial planner in your life. You know, I didn't grow up under this kind of tutelage. So I was a grown man before Renee and I started doing some smart things about our future. We wasted a lot of valuable years. But thankfully, when my children turned 18 years old, even before their first job, we opened up a retirement account. And even though they might not have been making a lot in the early days of their life, they had money going into that retirement account week after week after week because their father had made the mistake and had had to correct it too late in life. Renee and I are still playing catch-up on our retirement because we got started too late. So my concern was that my children would start their retirement very early. And so they have a financial planner, and he helps us as a family and individually to know how to make investments so that our future is safe and secure in him. So Renee and I, uh, we 10% of our income, the first 10% belongs to God. That's our tithe. So automatically, it's electronically taken out of our, our, our income and goes directly to the house of God because that's the Lord. The second 10% goes into our investment account. And then after that, we live on what we have and we might even make other investments. But we know that the top 20% is already taken care of. 10% goes to God. That's his portion. The next 10% goes to our investments. Now, you may not can do that. Maybe some of you are doing a lot more than that. That would even be better. But at least we're on a plan. And the purpose is embrace planning and budgeting. Have a plan. Sit down with someone that can help you and get on a plan. Now, budgeting is real important. You've got to know how to budget. This church operates on a, on a very fine budget. Over the years, we have developed an, a budgeting instrument 
to, to uh, manage the finances of this church. It allows me to sleep at night even through difficult seasons. It allows me to be assured that money's not being wasted and that money's going where it needs to go and that our priorities are, are correct and that our vision is coming to pass. And so a budget is very important. And if you're not living on a budget, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Renee and I personally, at this age in our life, we don't have to live on a penny-to-penny budget. But we have a budget. And we know what we can make and we live within that. We don't spend more than we make because we understand in the different categories of life. We can only spend this. Other people may spend more. Other people may spend less. But this is what we can spend and make it all match. You need to fall in love with the concept of budgeting. And the earlier you do that in life, the more wealth you'll accumulate in your life. The third great truth that is embrace the value of sacrifice or prioritizing. Embrace the value of sacrifice or prioritizing. Jesus, because of the joy awaiting him, endured the cross disregarding the shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. So Christ understood that if I sacrifice now at Calvary, later on I'm going to receive glory and honor But he was willing to pay a price up front so he could have the reward at the end. So if you want to accumulate wealth, you've got to learn how to pay the price up front and make sacrifices. Sacrifice is something you want less for something you want more. That's prioritizing, deciding what you want more and making the sacrifices you need to obtain them. The fourth great value is the value of self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit listed in, in Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your, our lives, love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one, self-control. Most of our problems is that we're out of control when it comes to spending. And then when it comes down to, I want this, I think I need this, I sure would like to have this, it's on sale, it's in my size, it's just what I need but I really can't afford it. When we're at that crossroads, that's when self-control comes into play. And we're never going to get there if we don't have self-control. And the Holy Spirit has given us to help us control those inner desires and inner cravings and get to those crossroads where we can make the best decisions. What if you were financially free? You had no financial stress. What if you were debt-free? You could save and buy anything you wanted. You could pay tithes joyfully and give to any cause that your heart desired. You know, there are Christians here in this room that are living that kind of life, and you can be one of them. You're no exceptions, but you can be one of them. I want to pray today as I come to a close, and there are seven things that I want to pray for. And as I call one of them, if it applies to you, please stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray one prayer for all. But I'm going to pray some categories. Here they are. First of all, if you're needing a job opportunity, maybe, maybe you don't have one or the one you have is not what you need. You need another opportunity. Then uh, stand. You have a job, but you're believing for a promotion, a raise, an increase, forward motion in your career. Promotions. Thirdly, if you have a business, 
or you're in sales and you need to pray for increased sales, for your contracts to multiply and for your business to expand, I want to pray with you. If you're believing God for multiple streams of income and you're, you're wanting to see multiple streams released into your life, whether you're not dependent on one, one stream, but you have multiple streams, please stand. If you want me to pray for God to rebuke the devourer in your life, the devourer is, is things that cost me money that don't do me any my family any good. Unnecessary sicknesses and breakdowns and, 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 and fines and fees and all kind of stuff that cost me money, but there's no return for my family. I want to rebuke the devourer off of your life that the devil would not eat away at your money and waste your finances. If you have investments that you have made, regardless of what that investment vehicle looked like, I want to pray for your investment vehicles. I want to pray for God to give you grace to manage your finances with biblical wisdom. If the things I've said today have touched you deeply and you realize that this is an area of your life that you really need to grow in, I want to pray for God to give you a grace. God to give you a grace. I also wanted to mention that in our life team session starts in February, the Pattersons will be lead, leading Financial Peace University every Wednesday night. starts at 7 o'clock, and uh, it'll be a huge blessing to you. I showed you a, a video uh, a couple of weeks ago of Dave Ramsey. It's a video presentation, a DVD. You'll love it. It'll change your life. And this is one of those things that everybody needs to go through at least once in your life. Every human needs to go through financial peace at least once in their lives. You need to go through this study. It'll change your life. So just a quick reminder on that. Okay? You ready to pray? I'm going to ask you to hold out your hands like this, like somebody was fixing to offer you something. And you said, yeah, I think I'll take that. And just kind of put out your hands expecting to receive it. Father, I pray first of all for job opportunities to come to your people. As our Father, you have promised to provide. And though that provision comes through opportunities. And I'm asking you to open doors and guide their feet and take them to the right place to meet the right people. And give them favor at that interview so that these opportunities will be opened up for them. For the righteous have never been forsaken. And the, 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 his seed have never had to beg for bread. Because you are the God of our opportunities. I pray for promotions and advancements and opportunities to go forward in their career. That would include raises and bonuses and increased income. Through your great grace and mercy, pour it out upon your people, O oh God. I pray for those that are in sales, that their sales would skyrocket. For those that are doing contracts, for their contracts to multiply. For those that are in business, for their business to expand. Bless the businessmen and women in this house, O oh God. Let your hand of goodness and grace be upon them. Let their personal economies flourish in Jesus' name. Give them favor, favor, favor in Jesus' name. For those that are praying for additional streams of income, I pray for witty inventions and creative ideas how that they can tap resources for income that they have not seen. I speak a blessing on the people of God that they would have multiple streams of income. 
I pray, Father, that the devourer would be rebuked off of their lives, that money would not be wasted and things would not happen that would cause their money to disappear, but every dollar they spend would bring a blessing back to them. Every dollar they spend would be good to their family. I rebuke the devourer in Jesus' name. I pray a blessing on their investments, whatever kind of vehicle they have it in. If they put money to work, I pray that that money works and makes them money. Lord, I pray that you would bless all of our investments and let our rate of return be very high this calendar year in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for those that are ready to grow, put out the effort and move forward in the area of management. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give them a desire and an assurance, a spirit of hope and confidence. Lord, give them a plan, give them a plan, give them a plan to move forward in their lives. I pray this blessing on them all in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. I hope you're ready to give this morning. Are you ready? Great word, great practical word for all of us. I was standing there a moment ago and just felt the unction of the Spirit of God that some incredible opportunities are coming to people here in this house. And significantly in the next 30 days, opportunities, openings, um, favor, and and. What I sensed so, uh, so strongly was that there are things that you've never thought of before. Sometimes it's, it's things that we've been praying about, but